Hello, and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 49th episode in a weekly series called Facebook Suggestions. Last week's episode was a discussion about gaming news, interrelationships for developers, and Kingdoms of Amalar Reckoning. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Monday, January 16th, and today I will talk about different Facebook stories that were suggested to me by listeners. Let's start with news of the week. News of the week. Ben Kuchera bids farewell to Ars Technica, which is a lovely site for game critiques that I get a lot of my info from, and he will be succeeded by Kyle Orland. Now, Kyle co-wrote the video game style guide and reference manual, and he's also written for many other things, one of which is Joystick, Game Sutra, and MSNBC, so I'm sure we're in good hands. But sad as I am to say goodbye to Ben, he's going to Penny Arcade, so it's not like I'm not going to read his stuff anyway. And one of the things I really love about Ars Technica is that they have a lot of these critiques. And I really try, believe it or not, not to just bring you like, oh, you know, Call of Duty Warfare 3 got 7.5 and you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's a little bit of that in the news of the week section where I'm telling you about new games that I haven't had a chance to play or that other people haven't really said much about where I'll tell you, you know, a base score of it out of 10 out of 10. But I really do try to bring you stories that are more relationship oriented where, you know, I tell you about this particular person, what's going on with them, what they said about the game, or, you know, things about Stories that involve interactions between the people that are playing or between the developers and the actual game players, things of that nature, rather than just, you know, well, the inter- I've heard things about the interface is just really sucky, blah, 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 blah. I mean, there's some of those when the game is really, really horrible, and I've said, you know, okay, this game is unplayable because of X, Y, and Z. But for the most part, um, the short stories that you get are trying to be focused on the people aspect of things. And I really like that about Ars Technica. You have articles there, and they are more towards the reader and things that would matter to them rather than just a bunch of technical jargon about this particular video card or whatever. You can always find that stuff, and there are plenty of sites out there that will tell you, you know, what kind of upgrades you have to have to be able to successfully run this game, um, you know, stuff like that. But at least on this podcast, the point of it is for me to focus on the people, um, the developers themselves, the players themselves, things of that nature. So hopefully that's what you're getting here and not just a base, you know, 7.5, 8.5, you know, pick it up, don't pick it up, you know, whatever. I'm trying to at least kind of keep that in mind when I'm when I'm looking for things to tell you that are news of the week. And I really like the fact that Ars Technica is very focused on that and has been Uh, very useful in that. And so hopefully it will continue to be uh, after Ben has gone. Why do I bring this up? Well, because the lovely letter slash article that 
uh, Ben wrote for Opposable Thumbs has got me thinking lately a lot about critiques versus reviews when it comes to gaming and the difference between the two. This is a thought prompted by our friend at Bioware, whom you may remember has been on the show. He's a senior designer for a little game called Mass Effect 3, Mr. Manveer Air. Uh, note to myself also, bug and harass him to be on the show in March when that comes out. <laughs> anyway, he and Patrick Kleptic of Giant Bomb Game Reviews have an interesting kind of two-part discussion, maybe it'll be three or four by the time we're done, where they talk about a recent media frenzy that's been surrounding Simon Parkin's Eurogamer review of Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. Now, this review slammed the third game in the Uncharted series for being too linear, mostly. That was the main the main critique of that, was that it was too linear. And in his review, he states, and I quote, Uncharted 3 is the most exciting game in the world, but only until you deviate from the script. And he goes on to expand how the game makes you feel like, quote, nothing more than an interactive butler at times. However, the thing is, at the end of this critique, he still gives the game an 8 out of 10 score, which infuriates people who love the game for the bashing, and it also enrages those who agree with the review by still giving it a good score at the end. Manveer here wants to solve the difference between critiques and reviews by removing numbers from reviews and separating them into two different categories. And Patrick from Giant Bomb feels that we can slowly accustom people to the idea of critiques, but make all scores on a five-based scale rather than a 10-based or 100-based as it is in many different sites. They also go on to criticize Metacritic um, and to talk about a couple videos that state how unfair that site is, uh, basing game scores that are 1 to 5 scale versus 1 to 100 scale, and how you can't really compare the two and equal that into a number that is consistent between the two. Um, you would have to read this, the reasoning for um, Patrick and also Manveer it would be too long to articulate here in the entire article, but I think you should check out that ongoing discussion at giantbomb.com to see what will be the end conclusion of how to solve this issue of whether people will read critiques or whether they just want the review that has the number stamped at the bottom. Okay, let's take a pause here and hear from our friend Skaggy the Poet. It's been a couple weeks, it's a new year now, and we get to have a new episode from Skaggy the Poet with Get the Girl. It's hard to find the time to clear it He's the boy with the broken brain Not insane but never happy Sharpen up those fangs Not insane but never happy Hello there and welcome to Get the Girl, Kill the Buddies and Save the Entire Planet Episode 7 With me, Skaggy the Poet Proudly hosted by the Grey Area Podcast By thanks as always to its impeccable host, Jen this week, a poem about my latest addiction, Star Wars Online. I love the game, been playing it lots. Big shout out to my guild, Crusade, on Nightmare Lands server. Um, come and join us, come and join me. We have a laugh. Anyway, best bit about the game? You can play a Star Wars fatty. That's why this poem has three titles. 
It's called Sif and Chips, as suggested by Arbitrary on Twitter. Or, I'm proud to play a Star Wars fatty. Or, my particular favourite... That's no moon. It's a space station. It's too big to be a space station. Oh, I'm proud to play a Star Wars fatty. One who makes even Jabba look slim. I'm far too big to hide behind banfers. And my memories of salads are dim. I've played a daring fat smuggler, risking all to make a profit. And if I'm smuggling exotic food, trying hard not to scoff it. Then I've played a proud fat sif. I was mean, vicious and hard, always using my force choke and always snacking on lard. Then a fat and deadly imperial spy I played, Deadliest sniper with a blaster rifle, able to shoot the wings off a Minoc, or the cherry off of a trifle. So let's celebrate the Star Wars fatty, their inventory full of blue milkshakes, with their companions constantly employed in crafting better and tastier cake. So there you go, Star Wars fatty's rule, it's simple. Enjoyed it? Why not drop Jen a line at her email address, which, being ever professional, I'm sure she'll tell you what it is, because I don't know what it is. Even though I'm going to send this to her in an email in a minute, can't be bothered to look it up. Or contact me, skaggythepoet at AOL, that's it, yeah, skaggythepoet at AOL.co.uk. Bloody hell, can't even remember my own email address. i tell you why. Rushing this as I've got to go and pick my daughter up from the childminder in 10 minutes time and make her some tea. Perhaps we'll have sif and chips. I'm a comedian, aren't I? Anyway, until the next time, doodle bib. (laughs) That is very true. You don't see a lot of uh, Star Wars fatties running around there. And I really love the Twi'leks when you make them a really heavy character. That's really cute to see. They look really cute. So thank you to Skaggy for that (laughs) very fun and good interlude before we get back to the Facebook suggestions. In another story, the Associated Press says, quote, Retail sales of video game hardware, software, and accessories fell 21% in December from a year ago to $3.9 billion, as players bought fewer games for their aging consoles, according to Mar- Market Research NPD Group. And these results were not surprising, considering that, considering that consoles have a certain life cycle where they this is kind of the back end of their life cycle right now, is what the group analyst is saying. And this was still a disappointment, according to the NPD group. Frazier said the month's poor performance was unexpected given the quality of new games, including Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, which was the top seller, or Just Dance 3, which placed second. So I wonder why the video game hardware, software, and accessories have dropped recently, considering all the new games we've had out. Maybe, maybe people are moving a little bit more towards the PC with some of these games, like the Skyrim. Maybe everyone's just playing Skyrim. Who knows why? Now, on to suggestions by our Facebook friends. You can always see Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast without friending me, although I would really adore some likes being thrown my way. And there's plenty of gaming news there where you can write on my wall. Or you can friend me on Facebook at Genesee and see other more random postings. You can interact with my gaming industry friends there as well. These suggestions that you're going to hear come from both pages. First, from our friend Rabbit, who 
who you've heard from before. He gave me a beta key very generously. So I will be playing the new online first-person shooter from Red 5 Studios. This is a studio founded by Mark Kern, by the way, who is the team lead of World of Warcraft in 2005. The game is called Firefall, and it takes place on Earth uh, 200 years in the future from now. The description of the game says that a new energy source called Christite was discovered, and this became the main form of power used by people. And the overuse of this actually led to the disastrous arrival of an aggressive energy storm, and this storm is called the melding. The melding has taken over the planet, leaving only a small area of Earth livable, kind of right in the eye of the melding tornado. The melding mutates and transforms all life that it touches, and even the terrain of the planet. And recently, the humans in this eye have come under attack by a race calling themselves the Chosen, who have emerged from the melding. So the melding is creating its own, its own life forms. The player takes on the role of a surviving member of the human race, and you have to fight these Chosen and rid the earth of the melding. And it's kind of neat because you can join tournaments, form armies or guilds, and compete in, this is a large open world format. And so we'll see how that goes. Um... The days available for play are very limited. The servers are only up for certain times in the evening and such. So I haven't been able to get a window where the servers were up yet. Uh, I will keep you updated as I play um, in a way that will not violate my NDR. You can The second story we have is from Lisa about an amazing guild in World of Warcraft called Die Safe. And this is a really fun read. Their raid team, who has downed Ragnaros, Deathwing, and more, have a player called Ben, who currently plays an enhancement shaman called Hexu. And Ben used to be a soldier in the British Army, and he served in Iraq. While he was there, he was involved in a roadside bombing in Basra. And as a result of this bombing and the explosion, he has several shrapnel wounds to his head and has had to have both of his eyes surgically removed because of that. So he's currently blind. Um, ben and his guild work together to allow them all to down bosses and to navigate dungeons. One player in particular, who's named Owen, is kind of featured in this story, and he's Ben's guide dog. And through a series of target of target macros, Ben's able to attack and follow Owen around a dungeon, and he actually has a decent output of 42k, so he's no slacker either. Now, reading this was kind of an inspiring story, and I was wondering how you really would be able to logistically navigate something like this, being being a blind player. So I thought I would do a little experiment and see if I could do something similar to this. Now, probably not having the extra hearing kind of attunements that Ben has and some other things, I thought it might be fun in Star Wars The Old Republic to run the instance Hammer Station. And so what I've done is I've taken my level 31 Sith Marauder and I've gone into Hammer Station it should be said that I have soloed Hammer Station before uh, since I was 25. I don't run it regularly or anything, but I have soloed it before. So I have a general kind of idea of the layout of it. So that gives me a little bit of an advantage. And I have asked our friend Alanomi to 
guide me through this just visually. He's not actually in the dungeon with me. He's watching me play on Skype. And we had a little bit of a lag issue. And he's going to just give me visual directions on on what to do. So this is a little bit of a clip from the hour of play that we did. It took me about 40 minutes to clear the entire hammer station. Um, and I have to confess, I was kind of by the halfway mark opening my eyes at certain points because it was getting very long. But let's hear how that went, and here's a little clip of that. Okay, somebody else here, but I can't force jump, so maybe I'm close. I don't know. Yep, there's a droid. Just, just go straight ahead. Just go take five steps in front of you. Are they dead? Well, let's, we'll find out when the screen updates. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, I'm serious. This reminds me of the time I, I, I was running Doom 3 on a Radon 7500. Uh, I think it was like a two gigahertz Celeron or whatever it is. This is what it felt like, like like playing it like at uh, one frame a minute. You, you'd be running <laughs> around and then you, everything would just kind of catch up. <laughs> you'd be hitting the wall. You'd be trying to shoot something, and the next thing you know, you'd have one of them imps in your face clawing you, at, clawing at you. This is just a wonderful experience. It brings back old times. God. So I guess it's very important if you're going to do this and you're with somebody like Ben who's blind that you have to have a decent processor um, because real time is kind of important. It's like, you know what this reminds me of? This is like, I'm playing the part of of Alan Omi and we're raiding again, Josh. That's what this is like. This is like, you know, I'm telling you what to do and then the next thing I know, you know, the the thing is over and you've been laying on the floor like half the time and you're you're telling me like, is it over? Is it over? Because you died like in the first three hits because your connection's so bad you can't even see the oh, battle. Yeah, God. That, 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 that reminds me of terrible days. No, that, that's the dark times. We don't talk about that. That's, that, that's, that's <laughs> Never revisit it. Okay, now you're hitting the bulkhead again there, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Give me directions there, guide dog, Alan. Uh, are you going down the right way? I'm kind of wondering that. <laughs> you're the one with the eyes. Well, I, I know, but I've only ran this place like three times. And, uh, <laughs> uh, we, got the, we, got, we got the motion Oh, I see how it is now. Okay, you're going to want to go to your right... Okay, you're going to want to go to your right. Just go to your right slightly, and then it looks like you're going to be running into a force field from what I'm seeing on my screen. I, I Okay, never mind, never mind. We're, we're still on the hangar bay. Okay. I thought we were, <laughs> I, I we were going somewhere. And I, was, I, I really thought we were going somewhere. They were going down the hallway, and oh, behold, that's the ship and the hangar sitting right there. Okay, so. See, this is, the, this is why you do not anger blind people that have lightsabers. They will kill you. Just because they cannot see does not mean they will not find you. <laughs> you see this droid right here? I'm looking at it on her screen, and it's all cut up into pieces. She, she's got some serious hate in her. Well, I am a Sith. I'm just going to, like, jump and try to kill stuff. Hopefully I'll okay. kill stuff. I don't know. I'm hitting something. Yeah, you're fighting a big gold elite right now. Big oh, droid. good. No, I thought Quinn was. I thought Doctor Quinn was a woman because I know it was a TV show and. It is Doctor Quinn, medicine woman. It's played by uh, what's her face, you know. Well, but I'm seeing Doctor Quinn here, and it looks like he's a guy, and he's got manly features, and uh, so the only thing I can think of is either I got the wrong Doctor Quinn or Doctor Quinn went and got a sex change. I don't know what happened, but it's a TV show. This Doctor Quinn. Yeah. Is it well, like a new TV show? Maybe they've 
It's like updated Dr. Quinn medicine woman, and now it's an actual dude or something. Well, the Dr. Quinn, I'm, I'm seeing you with your companion. This one oh, yeah. It's Tosh this whole time. I thought you were watching some show. Like, <laughs> you're talking about Quinn? <laughs> yes. Malvian Quinn is a dude. He's not even a doctor. <laughs> He's not. I guess technically, he has medic tendencies, but jeez. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> like, you're talking about my companion, Quinn? He doesn't have a beard. Which, Jancy, who do you think I was talking about? I thought you were, like, watching some TV series that got updated. Well, no, there's only two Dr. Quinns that I know of. There's Dr. Quinn Medicine, which I remember my parents used to watch it on TV when we lived in Arizona. And there's Dr. Quinn here, so I kind of figured, well, either is he the same Dr. Quinn? Did he get a sex change or just something happened to him and now he's in Star Wars? Or what? what's the deal <laughs> with that? I, I, you know, seeing how Almost anything's possible in Star Wars. So, I mean, if he somehow got... Took a time machine, transferred in time, somehow wound up in the Star Wars universe, and got a sex change, and hey, good for Doctor. <laughs> well, you know he does have a stick up his ass, Josh. That's like part of the persona of Quinn. So well, I, I, I did not know that, and I did not really want to know that, but good, good to know. He's what? super conservative, like, play by the rules. He's the ultimate soldier. You, you see, guys, you learn something new at blind people every day. <laughs> you, you just... You learned these new facts that I never knew. I probably did not want to know, but good. You know him now. Congratulations. Great. And he's shooting a big beam at you, looks like. <laughs> anyway, like I was saying, you know, I, I, the funny thing is I usually have good discussions with people. You know, war zones, like we're sitting there and we're usually talking about, oh, God, we're sucking it up again. You know, why can't people just do simple things you know, like hold a point or whatever and it's 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 kind of interesting, you know. Out of all the places, you, you'd think that you'd have more friendly conversations with people in a war zone, but you know, you know, such is life. Bonding through combat. Well, if this tells you anything, I was watching the Clone Wars today, the series. I actually started watching it again because the internet was down for since last night, and they got it fixed. But I needed to get my fix on that because I have I've had the DVDs, the first three seasons here, and I've finished season one. And I've done almost through season two but i haven't watched it for like i don't know two months so i've watched it today and coincidentally enough one of the quotes was brother uh, brothers in arms or brothers for life or something like that pretty pretty neat little quote it looks like you were about to fight a boss now i'm just trying to look i'm just trying to look in your frame where the where the photographers are at because i swear you're posing you're dealing with all the ways you freeze with your lightsabers i, I swear you're you're trying to do a publicity surge and say hi Yes, I, I'm just making sure that my character looks beautiful while she's killing things, so that I can snapshot every moment of screensaver. My desktop. That's my plan. Well, the thing is, if you want to be beautiful, why did you go dark side? Ah, get my character. I, I, she's beautiful. Has a little red eye, but she's what, okay. Did you see what happened to Palpatine when he went dark side in the movies? Did you see what happened to him when he... He was never good to begin with. Come on, you can't tell me Pal- Palpatine was like, you know, a stud when he was not... <laughs> when he was early in his I, Sith career. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the thing is, if you want to look beautiful, I'm not sure you want to go dark side, though, because the thing is that shit eats your body up. I mean, seriously, you know, you, you, by the time you're going to get old, old, wrinkly skin, red eyes, and uh, yellow teeth... To me, that's just not attractive, but, you know, whatever, I guess. <laughs> the beauty of it is, if I hate it, then I just have to turn off the uh, graphic setting to show my evil. 
Yeah. Cheater. If I hate it, which I don't. I have it on right now. She's got some red eyes, and, and she has red skin already and black tattoos. It's not like she's conventional. She's unconventionally beautiful, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you tell me that when you get all upper Palpatine, like with your <laughs> red eyes and your saggy skin and your yellow teeth and your long white fingernails, and you, yeah, you tell me that. Oh, it's just, it's just beautiful. No, no, it's not. It's kind of ugly. Well, if it tells you anything about the dark side here, Genesee, I was with my buddy the other day, and we were doing uh Well, I should say he was—he's leveling up a a uh, Sith assassin, I believe, or the the inquis the Inquisitor assassin, or whatever it is. The mm-hmm. it's not—it's not the sorcerer; it's the one that's opposite of that. And we were doing the storyline or whatever it was, and uh, I'm not going to spoil that part. But pretty much, the woman you're dealing with looks like she. She's about 80, 90, 90 or hundred years old, and she, her skin's all crinkly, and you know she's got red. You know her eyes look like hell, and look like she's been <laughs> road hard, put away, wet about five hundred thousand times in her lifetime. <laughs> That's a horrible expression. Well, I'm serious. You should go see her. I mean, when you do the story and look at her, I mean, she's on Corabon uh, or no, not Corabon, um, Droman Koss. I guess she's your master or something. I don't remember her name. I just know that little thing with Kimball that. Um, you know, I saw her, and she's all, "Oh, I want to take your body or something," and uh, like, yeah, because you you certainly used yours up. I mean, but she's probably like five hundred years old by then. She could be. I mean, maybe she is five hundred years she old. She probably looks her. awesome for five hundred. I just know for a fact that no matter no amount of makeup or any light sightedness is going to fix that body. Oh, that's a bad noise. Disease behind you, I think, from what I can see from the map. There's like two or three dots directly behind you, or there, there they are right there, I assume. They're right in front of you, just take one or two steps forward and start slashing while assuming Quinn doesn't kill him before you get there. He's expressing his rage. Darn Dr. it. Quinn. <laughs> He's... She is expressing her rage because she went to the time machine and she, <laughs> and she had, had trans- gender she reassignment. Had, yes. The, and she, the Empire and, required the gender reassignment. Yes. And now she's upset that she's now a man in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and it's not 1840-something. Uh, <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. Well, Jenna, say, are are you having a better time with Vet now? Because I remember, go back three weeks ago, you were constantly complaining about Vet. She's not talking to me. She's not talking to me. What's wrong? She's not talking to me. I'm like, well, why don't you kind of wait until get into the story before she start talking to you? I had to bribe her with very expensive gifts, Josh. It was worse than a like horrible first date. I mean, I had to get her candy and flowers, and just ridiculous, like. But see, you'll see that I'm running with Quinn right now. You don't see Vet here, do you? Well, it's because Quinn heals you. <laughs> of course. Uh, well, well he, you and him are do your thing together, too. But, I mean, you know, I, that's understandable. He's also a lot less annoying than Vet. He doesn't, he doesn't despise my choices. He likes me for me, Josh. <laughs> He's not always, like, whining about, Why do we have to do that? Dark side Sith. Yeah, there's some companions that don't really go with Darsa choices very well. I mean, I play a you know, a friend of mine calls me a Care Bear, and uh, you know, I play primarily somewhat of a light side bounty hunter. I mean, I actually wanted to go neutral. 
Okay, so that was more than a little clip, but I was just trying to share the funnier aspects of our raid together in the Flashpoint Hammer Station. I think some things that I learned is, one of which is, you really have to have someone to follow. It's very, very difficult just to give visual directions. So having that person to follow is really essential. Uh, another thing is, the macros would be extremely useful. Just tab targeting is very difficult. And a lot of respect for Ben, because there are certain points, like crossing that light bridge when you're crossing the cannon area, that would be virtually impossible if you weren't following somebody that you really trusted. Lots of narrow areas and things of that nature. So that was a fun little experiment. I hope you enjoyed the, as you can see, more and more random bits that occurred the longer we were sitting in the flashpoint. <laughs> Also, an update on the neutral feature that Josh slash Elanomi was talking about. A recent article from Massively says, quote, Do you have aspirations in Star Wars of becoming a neutral Jedi like Jolie Bindo? But the light side, dark side alignment system is getting you down? Good news. The Bioware team is hard at work creating rewards for those who toe the line between naughty and nice. And this system that's coming is going to cater as well to the neutrals as well as light and dark side people. We don't want to force people, Olin said. Once we get to the next stage of our light dark system, you'll see the rewards. Light side, dark side, and gray items will all get more powerful. And this is supposed to be coming up in soon in an unspecified patch. So obviously not the one tomorrow for 1.1, but unspecified soon. <music> Another fun story that was suggested by Stephanie was from Cracked.com. It was the four most important things to know as a gamer parent. Now, this was very amusing, and it had a little bit of language in it as well, so I'm going to kind of tone it down for you here and for our younger listeners as well. Uh, the writer, John Cheese, <laughs> if that's really his name, talks about four different points to being a gamer parent. And <laughs> I'm going to give a lot of quotes from this because it is that funny. Uh, he says, The exact moment I knew I was a gamer parent, that is a gamer who happens to have kids and not just the parent of kids who play games, was when I heard my nine-year-old son Drew proclaim, They won't let you kill kids in this game? That's a bunch of bullcrap. And immediately realized I was going to have a conversation with him about it. Then he goes on to describe Fable 2 as the game that Drew was playing. And some of the things that he didn't realize were in the game and wouldn't have realized if he wasn't actually a gamer himself. He says that he bought the game, just kind of looked at the cover, figured it was a kid's game, he was involved in World of Warcraft and didn't get a chance to play, and just let his son uh, play it, who's nine. He has children ages nine to 11, I believe, in his house, or maybe seven to 11. And his son started asking him questions, one of which was, what's a condom? Because that is one of the items you can pick up. I think it's a used condom. Um, and he says, quote, my mind went frantic and it took every ounce of willpower, willpower to not answer a tragedy averted. Instead, I waited five seconds and said, what? 
Then he sees some other things in the game, one of which was like a skull baby. And um, there's a part where there's a, a person who's a beggar, uh, a poor person who has to beg you for his life and just various things that he wouldn't have known unless he had actually played extensively in the game. He talks about game ratings and how obviously you can't just let the game rating make the decision for you if something's appropriate or not. Uh, early childhood, EC or everyone is not, is a very general stamp. And what he's saying is a lot of the objectionable content can be buried deep inside a game. So he decided to play the game himself, Fable 2, and see what his son was saying. He was very surprised uh, when one of the cutscenes began and he said his seven-year-old character got shot in the chest and blown off the top of a castle tower. And his son was giggling and saying, I love that part. Um, And then some some language that was in the game as well he was talking about and, and some other stuff. He also says that it's all about communication and that there weren't a lot of conversations between um, his parenting generation and himself on games because you were looking at things like, you know, board games and and some of the earlier digital games for SNES. But now we we have to be a little bit more diligent about talking to the children that are playing the games and explaining that zombies aren't real, but Nazis are. <laughs> Some people would disagree with that, but that's what he says. Not about the Nazis, but about the zombies. And he's talking about if you're playing World of Warcraft, which a lot of younger children are now, um, how to handle uh, douchebaggery and people that are um, heckling you and some of their some of their wording and stuff. And he ends with a quote, as far as I see it, it's my duty as a parent, but make no mistake. If my son rolls a tank and can't hold aggro, I'm calling him an incompetent beep right to his goddamn face. It's my duty as a gamer, unquote. So it was kind of an amusing article and it had a lot of good points in it as well that sometimes you might look at the cover of something and just assume that, um, it is a child's game, but not necessarily so. So you should play it with your kids, or at least play it through first. And it's tough to tell what age is appropriate to see certain things. You have to know your kid and decide. We've had that talk several times before, but this was kind of a new take on it, and I appreciated that. Some personal news of note. The 16th through the 18th, there is an exhibition being held at the Smithsonian American Art Museum in Washington, D.C., called The Art of Video Games. The particular portion that's held the 16th through the 18th is called Game Fest. The actual event is held April 29th, March 4th, and May 5th as well. There's all sorts of different sections of this. The May 4th is Video Games Beyond Play. May 5th is the Music of Games. And there are other things being held along that same kind of genre from March to May. But the one I want to talk about specifically is the one from March 16th to the 18th called Game Fest. Game Fest will have a panel discussion on the evolution of video games. It will have a it will have a speaker, Nolan Bushnell, and he will talk about video games in retrospect. He's the founder of Atari and also a very popular player in um many of the first video games that were ever created, and he's kind of considered the father of electronic gaming. So that would be a neat panel to go to. Currently, that there is a waiting list for that, and I'm hoping that I will get a chance to be to get to get in and see that. 
Uh, also, they're showing the film Tron. I think this is the older version, not the one that just came out, hopefully, because that's the only decent version of Tron, in my opinion. And then Saturday, which is the 17th, they have open play, craft activities, live action gaming, and musical performances as well. And another panel, it's called All About the Design, and then King Kong is the film, A Fistful of Quarters. Day three, more craft activities and live action gaming with spontaneous art and other stuff. So it's a kind of a neat game fest expo. And if you're in the DC area, I recommend you check it out. I will be there with several of my friends as well. And uh, something fun to do that's video game related if you are on the East Coast. say that next week is my 50th episode, which I am really excited about because that for me is a big accomplishment. And I'm very, very thankful that I've made it to 50 episodes now and have had a chance to have people on and to still be here and have listeners like yourself. So I could really use some suggestions for episode 50, something really special that um, you would like to hear that would kind of make it just that extra little bit of awesome. So if you have any suggestions for episode 50, that would be a big help. Now, you may have noticed lately that uh, I've been told <laughs> I've been told I'm sounding tired or sick. I have a little bit of a cold, so you have to forgive me for that. Um, but I've been told I should talk about my reasons for gaming, which I feel like I have covered a little bit in the past, but I'm really happy to have found Star Wars The Old Republic, even though it annoys me quite a bit with a lot of a lot of things where I feel like the Marauders not necessarily tweaked the way I'd like and there are certain points in the leveling like 25 and and 30 where you get a little bit snagged up and, and it's a little bit grindy and some stuff like that. But I really do enjoy the game and what I enjoy most about it is the fact that some people have joined me in the game and I'm getting a chance to spend some time with friends that I haven't had a chance to talk to um, on a regular basis, I, I guess I would say. I'd like to hopefully have a point where, very similar to Battle.net, people that are cross-server also have an option to talk, and that would kind of open up a lot more doors to people that are playing that aren't on my particular server of Keller's Void. If you're thinking of starting a new character, you are welcome to do that on Keller's Void, and it'd be really fun to have a chance to, I guess, meet some people that I haven't before and lure some people to the dark side on Keller's Void with me. I've joined AIE recently, which is Alea Lacta Est, and they have a presence on Keller's Void as well, which is very nice. The particular branch I'm in is Era, and I believe Tinsian is in uh, Este or something like that. 
And that's been really fun as well because there's a joint channel where all of the AIE people are able to speak no matter what branch they're in. And it's made things a little bit easier for grouping and some other things like that because there's a pool of you know hundreds to choose from at any given time. And it's also very educational to kind of get a little info about the classes and people talk about the game, you know, listen in on their, their kind of stories and stuff, which is cool. So I'm enjoying the the guild aspect and the friend aspect of raiding again, which is something I've gotten out of in my kind of boredom of World of Warcraft. So I'm, I'm happy to have that back. Otherwise, on a more personal note, I've kind of put myself out there a little bit because I feel like lately I've been kind of stagnating in the sense that um, I'm not doing too many new things other than Star Wars with gaming. And I feel like, you know, I don't know what to say recently. I just don't know I don't want to put a podcast out there that's filler. I want it to be, to have some information to convey and to have something that I really want to share. So I feel a little bit lost with that lately. And so I put myself out there and applied for the Fragdoll Cadet Academy of 2012, which my Facebook friends, please be my Facebook friend. My Facebook friends know about that. And I have a video out there on YouTube, which you can find on my channel called The Genesee. You can see it. And... You have to fill out a bio, you have to do a resume, you have to, um, there's a lot of different components you have to put together for this entire package that you have to send in. Now, I don't necessarily think that, I mean, I hope I get in, but I don't necessarily count on that fact. I just feel really good about the fact that I had a chance to to do this and kind of take that chance where I feel like I've been a little stuck. This might be the kick in my butt to kind of get myself to do something again. And even if I don't get in, at least I've, you know, made this. I took several hours and put all these pieces together and made something. So that's good. I think that is a good step forward. So I recommend if you feel like, you know, it's New Year's, everybody has their resolution of what they're going to do, you know, in this coming year at the end of January that we're coming to. And if you're a little lost, like me, maybe you're not sure what kind of new thing you can do this year, it might be good to just take a, a leap of faith, as it were, and try something a little new. And even if it doesn't work, even if I don't get in, I think it was really cool to to put myself out there. And I got a lot of nice responses from people, which also makes me feel good. Another reason to be excited about Facebook. Okay, and those are the recommendations from the Facebook friends. I really recommend that you do at least check out the gray area at Facebook, which you can do without having to friend it, but please throw me a like because that would be awesome. And you can also friend me at Genesee, and there's a lot of stuff that we talk about there, a lot of Ubisoft and other developers from different companies just talking about their personal lives and kind of thoughts about stuff, and there's a lot of gaming news there as well. So that would be very cool if you would friend me there. Also, a big thank you to the Facebook suggestions that people have made that made this podcast possible. Sometimes I'm running out of ideas here. Um, things get a little busy. I haven't had a chance to have any developers on lately, so I could use your input and definitely love having your ideas on what you'd like to hear. If you would like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email me your questions, advice, or suggestions to genesegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.